Hey everybody, so excited that you have joined us on the Link Church podcast channel. We believe that this message will not only leave you feeling welcome, but we do believe that it will rock you and it will also move you. A moment for God to speak right into your context. So enjoy today's message. Yes, Holy Spirit, we just sense your presence here this morning. Just uh, gentle and beautiful and powerful. Thank you for your peace. Rest on us, Holy Spirit. Rest on every home. Rest on every heart. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, we just thank you for moments we worship you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you turn our eyes on Him and the perfecter of our faith. We worship you, Father. You're the rock of ages. You're faithful and true. We stand above you. Just stand with us this morning. We worship you, Lord. Thank you for your presence with your church. amazing time of worship this morning and just the courts leading us in worship for the first time. Such a gift to us and uh, really just sense God's presence here this morning, His Holy Spirit. And uh, if you're watching online, it's so good to have you with us. I know we have some people with us in the auditorium, so I want to say hi to you too. But um, just really sense God's presence here this morning and where are their presence, where His presence is, there's both power there's peace, and it feels like that this morning. And uh, wherever you're watching from the moment, we've known this over this season that, you know, there's no, you know, God's Word is like a sword, and it can penetrate even your screen, your home, your heart, wherever you're at. And so I'm trusting this morning that God would speak to you. I know that He's all-powerful, and His Word is God-breathed. Amen? And so this morning, we arrive on the front foot. I'm reminded of the scripture that Paul said, but we give thanks to God for we have victory in Christ Jesus, amen? So this morning when we arrive, we're not hoping for victory, we stand in victory because of what Jesus did for you and I. And so we're not arriving hoping we would make it through, but we have this hope that is unshakable. The apostle Paul said we have faith, hope and love, which love is the greatest. And so as a church, we love extravagantly, don't we? But we also got a faith in our hearts this morning that God can move us and He can speak to us. You know, I don't know about you, but in this season, I want more than information. What I deeply desire is transformation. And I think the gap between those two lies in having an experience with God. Anybody wanna experience God this morning? We have during worship, and He's here with us, and I believe that today through His Word, you would experience His life-transforming power. Amen? Amen. Who's excited about church opening? Yes, they are excited here in the auditorium for those who are visiting us. I know there's some people here for the first time since lockdown happened. I don't even know where that was. It felt like 10 years ago. But welcome to you if you're on campus. But I know that next week, as we announced in the pre-service, and as we announced online, that this next week, 
in our 8.30 service, we're gonna get 250 people. That's what our cap is. And so we're gonna have some overflow rooms if more arrive. So don't worry, we'll be counting. We're gonna have our masks on and all the protocols that come with it. But uh, we really are excited and encouraged about this. You know why? Because Hebrews, the book of Hebrews reminded us that it's good that the church gathers. It gets together. Now we might've been gathering online, but there's a moment where we can gather together. And so I look forward to seeing you there. If you are coming next week, you better get here early because apparently we have great coffee here at Wonderland too. And so anyway, so, so Easter's come and gone. And I, I pray that all the Easter eggs been finished. Got any lint bunnies left? Anybody got some lint bunnies left in their fridges? Um, and so I pray that it has been no more, way less or way more. But you know what it's like. Easter, we take moments to celebrate with family. And, and I don't know where you are watching from the world, but I wanna tell you here on the North Coast, the weather is unbelievable. It really is, it's unbelievable. And if you are visiting from Gauteng, I see this little town, Belito, well, city is actually filling up, driving around yesterday, just cars everywhere. If you're visiting, I hope you have an amazing stay because this weather, I've said it again, is unbelievable. So if you're in Ireland or Scotland, God bless you, sir. I hope you can travel soon get here on the North Coast. Um, but anyway, just an amazing Easter service. We had an opportunity to celebrate Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. And really, that's the, that's the basis of our faith. It's like the center point of our faith that Jesus died and He rose again. And if He rose again, that means that you and I, our lives have died, our lives, our past have been forgiven, but we stand assured in resurrected life. And so I love, I love how Pastor Josh shared with us last week. What I really loved about it was the detail that pointed to our deliverance. You know the detail that went to the tomb, to Mary, to who encountered Jesus. I love the thought about people and then a place and then ultimately a purpose. I love the fact that every detail points to yours and ours deliverance. And so today, I really wanna speak on the back end of Easter. I thought about it this week. We're going to a series next week called Human and it's looking at the felt needs of humanity. But I wanted to ask the question, I don't know whether you've ever asked this question, maybe you haven't or you have, but after Easter, what now? I, I don't know about you whether you've asked that question before. Maybe you haven't asked it, but you're thinking it. I remember in 2006, we walked downstairs out of a hospital with our firstborn child, James, and we went into our Nissan X-Trail. And I remember putting him at the back, you know, they escort you out with a wheelchair and whatever goes. Kath got in the front seat, I put James in the back, and I wasn't saying it, but I was thinking it, what now? For the next six weeks, we had an awakening experience. Excuse the pun, we didn't sleep for the next six weeks. And, and years later, my little daughter who's now six, um, she was surprised. And, and anyway, she was supposed to come three weeks later and on my 40th birthday, I woke up and Kath said she's not feeling well. And anyway, Anna came on my 40th birthday in the ward with East Coast Radio in the background. I asked the question, I didn't say it out loud because if Kath heard it, it wouldn't have been great, but what now? What now? Have you ever asked the question, what now? I tell you, I, I, I know this about all of us here, on March the 26th, last year, 2020, when we went into full-blown lockdown, you might not have asked it, but you were thinking it. What now? What now for my family? What now for my financial future? What now? The church can't meet. What now for my workplace? What now for my business? What now for my relationships? I don't know whether you asked, but I know we did. And so I thought to myself on the back end of Easter, now what? Maybe it goes deeper in your spiritual faith, what now? Maybe you've been a believer for many years, 
Or maybe this Sunday you jumped onto, us, onto our online service and you gave your life to Jesus. Whether you've been with God for a long time or whether you've just known Him now, we're all gonna ask this question, what now? You know why I know this? Because God wants us to move forward. And I don't know about you, we've been in a year where we've been captive a bit. You know, Rick Warren, you said this so well. He said, you know, we've been in captivity and captivity is when you've been held back involuntarily. You almost, we've been like that for a year, but it feels like, I don't know about you, but it feels like the door's starting to open a little bit better. I mean, a bit wider. Next week we get to meet as a church and it would be foolish of me or unwise to predict the future. We don't know that, God does, but in a sense, a slight opening. In a sense, coming out of captivity. Do you know that God spoke to many people about coming out of captivity in the Old Testament? Five men, Nehemiah, Malachi, and it goes on. But he taught them and showed them what it looked like to come out of captivity. But we've got to realize this, that when we come out of captivity, there are mixed emotions and we can expect that. You know, in the book of Ezra, it says when they came back from Babylon, they built the temple. And the first day they met, can you imagine next week when we meet? The first day they met, it says they praised the Lord. There was such a noise that came, but with the noise of praising, there was a, a noise of weeping, both praise and grief. And I think as we step into this new season, we can expect to have praise on our lips, but also a bit of grief in our hearts. We can expect some sort of mixed emotions. Now, I wanna pick up a story today because I've asked that question, now what? I wanna look at the early church. Jesus, I wanna read from Acts chapter one, Easter had happened, he'd risen from the dead. And then Jesus spent some time with his disciples for 40 days. Oh, I love the patience of Jesus. You know, the guys that had run away, gone fishing, and he spent 40 days with them, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And so I wanna read the scripture from Acts chapter one. And then I wanna answer the question, what now for you and I? Anybody wanna know what now looks like for you and I? Because Jesus didn't leave us there. He gave us specific instructions. So if you're with me and you're in your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter one. Uh, verse one, and I'm gonna read out the message version, and it's written by Luke, and it says this, to the ends of the earth, that's how it's titled in the message, and it goes, dear Theophilus, it's a big name, he's writing, this is Luke writing to this guy, and he says, in the first volume of this book, which is that he wrote also the book of Luke, I wrote in everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he said goodbye to the apostles, the ones he had chosen through the Holy Spirit and was taken up to heaven, after his death, he presented himself alive to them in many different settings over a period of 40 days. In face-to-face -face meetings, he talked with them about the things concerning the kingdom of God. Don't you love that Jesus always talks to us face-to-face? -face? What we desperately need in this season, I believe, is not more information, but an encounter with God face-to-face. -face. Anybody wanna come face-to-face -face with Jesus? Because when I do, you see, the good news of Easter is not that Jesus takes bad people and makes them good. It takes dead people and makes them come alive. And anytime we have an encounter with the living God, we move from I was once dead, but I'm alive in Christ. He says face to face, he talked to them. And then it says this, as they met and ate meals together, and I thought there was, this is, I love this, ate and had meals together. You know what, I really believe sometimes my faith is about an outcome. I wanna get things done. But maybe in the season, we just need to sit and eat and have meals together. We need to take the weight off us. I'm here this morning, I wanna get three points out of the sermon and go home. I, I, wanna, I wanna open the Bible and I go, I wanna give, give me one point, Jesus, just to live by. Maybe you just need to settle down, just to eat and relax and have a meal together. Because what if we came in that, he would feed us, because that's what he does. They ate and they had meals together. He told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem 
but must wait. Say must wait. Must wait for the Father promise. The promise you heard from me, John baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and soon. When they were together for the first time, they asked the master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? He told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. I love this. The disciples were looking for the outcome. God says, that's not what you need. What you desperately need is power. And so I'm gonna give you what you desperately need, and that's the Holy Spirit. And so he goes on to say, and when the Holy Spirit comes in you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem of all Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. These were his last words. As they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud. They stood staring into the empty sky. And I don't know what it looks like for you this morning, but I don't know about you, off the back end of Easter, we often stare into empty skies. Maybe you staring into an empty future this morning. Maybe an empty marriage. Maybe an empty financial situation. Maybe an empty, I don't know what it looks like for you, but the disciples were standing looking at something empty, an empty sky. And then it says, suddenly two men appeared in white robes. These were angels. And they said, you Galileans, why do you just stand here looking up at the empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly and as mysteriously as he left. In verse 12, it says, and so they left the mountain called Olives and returned to Jerusalem. It was a little over half a mile. They went to the upper room. There they had been using as a meeting place. When I looked at the scripture, words started to jump out of me. As I opened the Bible, I looked, I said, I was asking God, God, what now, what now, what now? And I looked at a couple of things. And what jumped out of me was the word ascension. What jumped out of me was the word suddenly. What jumped out of me was the word resurrection. What jumped out of me was the word upper room. Which, which when, and when I asked that, I, I felt like God was saying, you know what, He has so much more for us. He wants us to live in an upper room with an upper level of thinking and an upper faith and an upper peace in our hearts and an upper love that we show to the world. He wants to take us to a new level. Do you know when you come to Jesus, the trajectory of your life is glory to glory. He wants it to go higher. Jesus said, I'm ascending. You know, the Bible says that we are in Christ, are seated in the heavenly realms and have every access to spiritual blessings. Did I say that? Did I say every? Did, 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 did I say every? We have every spiritual blessing. You know where we are seated? That's not us physically. Our spirit man is seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. That's what Paul said. And so Jesus is going, when I looked at this, I thought to myself, maybe there's something far better for us. And then I went to a scripture and I wanna read it with you, 2 Corinthians, and this is the basis of what I wanna speak about today. Paul writing to the church in Corinthians, he says, our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Do you see that? If he, was, if he was resurrected and we have this resurrection, the invitation, what now? Is that you and I get a far better life. Now, let me just stop there for a moment. Far better life doesn't mean a bigger Rolls Royce. Far better life doesn't mean that everything's gonna work out. But a far better life means he's gonna do something so powerful in you that no circumstance might stand against you. He's gonna change you from the inside out. That's what transformation is. He invites you and I to a far better 
life. Can we have a conversation about a far better life today? A far better life? I think we all wish for it, don't we? Some things that sustains us on the inside, even when there are big waves on the outside. When a pandemic hits, we still got power in here. Even when we feel empty, there's a God that knows how to fill us up and sustain us for what lies ahead. A far better life. As I said earlier, I think that God wants us on a trajectory from glory to glory. I was reading in the Old Testament, it says, talks of Solomon's temple. In the last couple of weeks, been looking at the temple. And I was amazed to see that the temple actually had three floors. It had a lower floor, a first floor, a second floor, and a third floor. Whenever you read in the Old Testament, it's a shadow of what's to come. It's a metaphorical language of who we are in Christ. Do you know what they store in the bottom floor? Grain, wine, and oil. You know what our entry point is into the salvation or gospel is? The grain is the bread and the wine is communion. It's the finished work of the cross. When we come to Jesus and believe in Him, we stand in the finished work of the cross. And He doesn't leave us there, that's our entry point. He gives us the oil and the power of the Holy Spirit. The first floor has the grain, the bread, and the oil. Guess how wide the first floor is? It's five cubits. And there's a stairwell that goes outside and it climbs into the second floor. And the second floor is six cubits wide. And then the third floor is seven cubits wide. You know what God's trying to tell us? We're going from glory to glory. There's far better life in Him. The second floor is for the, re- the, the priests. The priest that says they would rest in the second floor. Such a beautiful picture that when we stand in the finished work of cross and we believe Him and are filled with His power, we may rest in His redemption. Fifth, first floor, second floor, third floor. God's desire is to move us forward. I mentioned the stairwell. It wasn't a straight stairwell. It was a spiraling one, which is interesting. You know, with a spiraling stairwell, you can't see the end. You know what that means for you and I? We might not see the end, but by His grace, we can take one step at a time. One step in the finished work of the cross. One step trusting Him again. One step as we climb His stairwell. We don't have to know the end. All we have to do is keep walking by His grace. The other thing about the stairwell, a spiraling one and not a straight one, is it gets you quicker. It gets you up quicker. And I really believe that the Bible and Jesus' life is a demonstration of a God that constantly wants to lift us up higher. Do you remember in John 16 when Jesus spoke about the vine and the branches? And He spoke about Jesus as the vine and we the branches. And some of the branches have fallen down. And the Bible says that they'll be taken away. That word taken away in the Greek is to be lifted up. Jesus always wants to lift us up again to the vine. He always wants to take us back to intimacy. He always wants us to encounter Him one-on-one. He always wants to bring us into His experience and encounter His presence. You know what that means for you and I? When you look at Jesus, He was the man who picked up the man who'd been paralyzed for 38 years. He lifted up Bartimaeus who was blind and said, you may now see. Jesus was constantly lifting up people. He wants, to, he wants the invitation for you and I on the back end of this pandemic is to walk in a far better life. Here's what I know about you and I is that during this last year, the world's changed. And guess what? You've changed. And guess what? The church has changed. 
but there's one person that hasn't changed and his name is Jesus Christ. And he says, and we'll always say it, that he's come to lift up the brokenhearted. He's come to cause our eyes to fix on him. He's decided to move us from the first floor to the second floor. Who wants to live in the upper room? An upper room by faith in grace. A far better life. So you might ask, well, what does a far better life look like? And I've got three things today I wanna mention. Simply three that I see in this text. And the first one is this, a better weight. Now I don't mean W-E-G-I-H-T. Let's not weigh less. Yeah, weigh less or weigh more. I'm not meaning that. I'm talking about W-A-I-T, to wait, to wait for something. You know, Jesus said, you must, you must go to the upper room. I want you to wait there for the promise. I want you to wait. Now, I don't know about you, but in a very woke world, we don't like to wait. You don't like to, waiting is unfashionable. It's for the 80s when they had handsets and no Wi-Fi. Waiting is not, we don't like it. Waiting is frustrating. Today's world, we like it, we see it, we click it, we get it. We like it, we want it, we click it, we get it. We want Insta, yeah, Insta. It's not, waiting is not fashionable. We don't like to wait, and yet the kingdom of God puts a high priority in how we wait. But this is what I know about waiting. Now, if I had to offer you a cup of Frisco, instant coffee, after the service, and I said, guys, we can have a line after the service, I'm guaranteed that no one would be in that line. But if I said to you, Wonderland has a new bean, it's got a chocolate fruity aftertaste, I'm gonna pour you a flat white creamy, I wanna tell you, there'll be a line from here to the bottom park car park, because you know what? Here's the thing about waiting. We always wait what we value. What you value, you will always wait for. What you value, you will always wait for. Ladies, you know this to be true. When you have your haircut, your hairdresser, and, and you book the, as you finished, you book the next appointment well in advance, and every lady said, amen. Husbands, you're listening. And, and when she says, sorry, I can't do a week from there, will you come another week? She goes, yes, I'll take it. You know why? Because you will always wait for that which you value. And it's so true in our lives. But you know what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31? Those who wait upon the Lord. So what if waiting is not about waiting on something, but waiting on someone? Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not faint and walk and not grow weary. What a promise. Do you see that better life there? They shall rise up on eagles' wings. They shall renew their strength. For who? For those who wait upon the Lord. A far better life is lying and waiting. Because when you wait, it's not worthless. It's very worthwhile. Because what you're doing, you're building your inner strength. You know, when God would speak to people coming out of captivity, He reminded them of what it would look like coming out of this time and reminding them of what was important. And I gotta believe that when these disciples went into the upper room and Jesus said, you need to wait, they were like, what, what does that mean for us? And I believe there are ways that we can better wait in this season. I think the first thing we can do is we can extract what we've learned from this last year. And you know, the Bible says to the Galatians, Paul says the Galatians, you foolish Galatians, you've experienced the grace of God and you've been waiting in vain. Could it be true sometimes that we live our lives based on what we, we live our lives in the sense that we, 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 we go through it, but we never take the experience. We waste good crises. We, we don't lean on or glean from what we've learned. And I'm wondering if the season, the one way we can better wait 
is to write down actually what we've learned. It's not just keeping a diary, perhaps it's keeping a journal. You know, a diary is what you do. In 10 years time, you're not gonna be worried about what you did. But in 10 years time, you can look back at what you've learned. And maybe some questions around what you learned. What have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about God? Maybe you can write these down. What have you learned about happiness in the season? What have you learned about your family in the season? Write it down because when you write it down, you know what you're doing? You're extracting what you've learned. I believe those disciples got around and said, hey, do you remember when Jesus did this? Do you remember when he said that? And they were like, I think the gospel started, were written in the upper room. Let's start writing. And Peter was like, I'm gonna start writing now because I'm gonna forget it soon. You know what they were doing? They were extracting what they learned. What would it look like for us not to waste this time, but lean in and go, no, 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 what should I learn from it? You know what else they did? God said to Haggai in the Old Testament, I want you to have a, hard, a good, hard look at your life. He said, I want you to examine your life, take a good look at it. And I think in this season, we have an opportunity to examine what we're doing with our lives while we're waiting. What is your priority? What are you doing? What are you? And, and I, I think in this space, to examine your life is to write down a, a not a to-do list, but maybe a to-don't list. What don't I need to do? Because if the world's changed and you've changed and the church has changed, maybe it's us changing our priorities. What don't you need to do? What don't you need to carry on into the future? Examine your lives. Because often if you're living in frustration and dissatisfaction, it's often things you're doing you shouldn't be doing. And God says, what do you need to do in this season? Do you see why it's a better wait? It's a better wait. And what if in this season we can engage slower? I love Jesus, He never rushed anywhere. He just walked slowly. He had this sense, it's the pace of grace. What if there was a pause in this moment that we could just walk with a sense of, we're gonna go back into this slowly. We're not gonna rush back and we don't just switch the light on. When God said to Joshua, Joshua, you're gonna inherit the promised land. He said, I'm gonna take your enemies out one by one. In other words, it's gonna happen slowly. It's gonna happen slowly. Next week we get back into church, one service. We get back in slowly. We're gonna engage it slower. Because you know what, when we go faster, it doesn't work out for us. That's why God offers us a better way. He says, it's better for you to wait. Wait upon me. Because those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You want their strength to be renewed in this season? Better process. God is doing something in us. I think in this season, there's a better promise in our hearts too. I think when we wait, God grows spiritually inside of us. While you were praying and you know, no one was seeing, you know what you're doing? You're getting stronger, you were renewed. When you were, when you were worshiping in your car and singing that song and tears were coming down, you know what you were doing? You were getting stronger. I believe that in a waiting season, there's a better proclamation in our hearts. I remember when Nelson Mandela and Tabo and Becky and Jacob Zuma were announced as presidents, they arrived in the union buildings. And whenever a president arrives, you know what they do? They announce as a revival, arrival. They have a praise singer. So they have a guy standing like, and they like they talk and they talk it up and they praise him and they praise him and they praise him. You know what they're doing? They're announcing his arrival. You know what our announcement in the arrival in the Old Testament is? Sinner. Leper. Outcast. You know what our arrival, announcement, arrival in the New Testament is? The beloved chosen generation, loved by God, saved by grace. We have a better proclamation. I don't know about you, but we've got stronger in this season because what? We've come to determine who God is and what He's done for us. Loved by Him, we're the saints, we're no longer sinners. We've been cast into a story, not out. There's a better wait. I believe those disciples started to think like, oh, there's something coming, there's something coming. If you want a far better life, maybe it's a better wait. The second is this, a better wind, a better wind. 
it says in Acts chapter two, God said, I'm gonna promise while you wait, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. And he said, in Acts chapter two, it says a sound like a rushing wind came into the room and filled everyone. Say everyone with me. Everyone, a mighty wind came into the room. You know what we desperately need, I think, in, in our lives and in this country? It's not a better strategy. We need a better wind. We need the wind of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that in the, in the southern Los Angeles, I remember Jensen Franklin talking about, there was a city that was covered in smog. And so the city got together and they got, a, they got a group together, a committee together, and they said they wanted to investigate how to get rid of the smog that had polluted their city. And for weeks they stood on it and stood on it, got worldwide advice. And eventually they had a press conference and the leader got up and he stood up and he spoke for about a minute. And he said, these are our findings. There's no solution for our pollution. And then he stumbled on some other words and he's about to sit down. And the press conference was like, is that all you got to say? He said, let me say it again. There's no solution for our pollution. But this man was a man of faith. And as he was about to sit down, he said, you know what we need to pray for? We need to pray for a wind to come, to blow the smog out to the sea. And a week later, the wind began to blow in Southern California and the smog was left and cast out to sea. You know what he was trying to say? There is no solution to the pollution in our hearts. What we desperately need is a cleansing and a convincing and a wind of the Spirit to blow through our hearts. When the wind blows through your heart, it'll blow through your home, through your business, through your community, through the church. What South Africa needs is a wind to blow. It needs a wind because that's where power comes from. You know where it comes from? The outside. We can't manufacture the wind. I love how the Holy Spirit came from above. When Jacob had a dream about Jacob's ladder, you know, when you put a ladder, you put it up against something. The Bible says that the ladder leant down on earth, which shows me heaven came down to earth. You know what the wind is? The wind is a breath of fresh air from God. It's the moving of His Holy Spirit. In fact, the Hebrew writers called it the word ruach, you know, when someone died in the Old Testament, they didn't check his pulse, put an oximeter on him. They didn't do that. They got up close and could put their face right next to him to feel the breath. You are Because it has to do with the breath, the wind of God. What we desperately need is a wind to blow in our lives. Blow Holy Spirit over our lives. You know, in, in Numbers 11, when the wind blows, God does supernatural things. It says the people of God were crying out. They'd been eating coriander bread and they're like, God, we, we're hungry for meat. And God says, the Bible says in Numbers 11, He sent a north wind and it blew. And it says that every, they were, they were laden two cubits deep. That's like knee deep in quail for the next week. God sent more than they could ever dream of. He sent a supply that could never outweigh their demand. We live in an area here, I live on a farm just up the local plate, just up the 10 kilometers from here. About five kilometers from us is the peaking plant. Thank you, Jesus, for Eskin. Anyway, so we are actually, by grace, linked into the peaking plant, which is wonderful, so no ash, no lights. But what we've, what we've seen about the peaking plant is that every day, it's, that's why it's called a peaking plant, for two hours every day, when the demand is highest in the country, it clicks in. And what you don't realize about the peaking plant is that every day, countless number of diesel trucks drive up and down this road, coming in from the terminal from Durban. Diesel, diesel, diesel. While we just get, while we, while we at night, when the demand is highest, that peaking plant gives a supply that can never outweigh the demand. 
And I thought to myself, you know what? We needn't worry about trucks that come through. We got a gift from heaven. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. And when the wind blows, He always gives us more than we could ever demand in our lives. More. You know why? Because the wind started blowing in the upper room and Peter got up and preached. And guess what? 3,000 people got saved. And then a week later, someone else got up and he preached and 5,000 got saved. And then Paul was on a donkey walking, God knocked it off, saved him. And he went to churches and planted them all over Europe. Guess what? The wind was blowing. And the wind's been blowing for 2,000 years and it hasn't stopped yet. And if you tap into it and you ask for it, he shall give it to you today. Do you need the Holy Spirit? Do you want the wind to blow again? It's not just one time baptism. Every believer, no matter how long you've been, can ask and you shall receive it today. Ask to be filled again and again with your Holy Spirit. Ask to be refreshed because God says, I'll give you a new start. Are you empty, looking up at empty skies? He shall fill you and overflow you. Empty, but now I'm full in Him. Numbers 11. I thought how much often we come to the end of ourselves and say, God, would you fill us? You see, God said, I love the terminology. You know, if the Holy Spirit was here today, He'd be holding one of these lights. I can't get a light, it's up there. But you know the job of the Holy Spirit? He's the shy one. He just looks for Jesus and puts a light in Him. That's all He does. He's walking around the room, just put a light. One of the, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convince us of God's righteousness for us in Christ. So what He's wanting to do is He wants to make Jesus beautiful because when your heart accounts Him, nothing else ever matters. And you know, the Holy Spirit is here today and He's just shining a light. Look to Jesus, look to Jesus. You see, if you look at the Trinity, the Father, He's like the grand architect and Jesus is the builder. You know what the Holy Spirit is? He's the real estate agent. He's like, you better come look at this house, it's unbelievable. You better come, you better come look at this, this, this grace that He gives you. It's, you, you will never see it like that. You better come look at this Jesus. He'll take you and you empty, He'll fill you up and give you a far better life. The Holy Spirit comes down and fills us up, gives us some wind. You know, talking about empty, the disciples had got, the team, you can join me, the disciples had, uh, had uh, got to the Passover time. And it says this in, Matthew chapter 11, I think it is, it says the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, where are we gonna spend the Passover? Now, if you think of it, Jesus didn't own any property, neither did his disciples. He's like, where are we gonna go? So Jesus said to him, what I want you to do, I'm gonna send two of you, you go downstairs and on the street, you'll find a man. He'd be carrying a water of jar, a, a jar of water. And whenever you see water, you see the Spirit. And the two men went down and they followed this man. They found a man with a water jar and they followed him. It says the man went to a house he went into the first floor and then he went up into the second floor, which was the upper room. And he turned to the disciples and he says, this room, it was a large room, fully furnished and prepared for them. And I thought to myself, when we follow the Holy Spirit, God will take us to a far better life, larger than we could ever comprehend, fully furnished and prepared for you. Are you ready to follow the Holy Spirit? Are you ready to let the wind blow? Because when the wind blows, God does what you've never dreamt of before. A far better life is a better wait. Our waiting is never worthless. It's worthwhile because He's building something in us, a better proclamation, a better yes. You know, in the book of Hebrews, 18 times in the New Testament, the word better is used, 14 of which in the book of Hebrews. 
the Hebrew writer was writing to a people that were Jewish people that were going back on their culture and tradition. And he was telling him, listen, we need to go forward. There is a better hope, a better covenant, a better savior, a better heaven, a better substance, a better spirit. He was reminding him that there's always something better. A better weight, a better wind. And the last thing as I close, a better way, a better way. I believe that early church, that wind came that day and filled them. And it says after that, they walked out of that room and the Spirit enabled them. They spoke in tongues and Peter got up and preached and many people got saved. Literally, the church was born and the Spirit lit the flame as the lyrics go. But there was a way in which people walked and a way in which they had confidence and a way in which they went out and spread the good news. They became witnesses to what Jesus had done in their lives. Do you know what the greatest testimony today in the world is? That Jesus is alive? Do you know what it is? Do you think it might be this building? Do you think it might be the many denominations in the world? Do you think it might be the feast that we celebrate? Do you think it might be Easter or Christmas? Do you know what the biggest testimony to Jesus being alive today is? Do you know what that is? It's your changed life. It's your changed life. And you know what? Changed lives change lives. And so, you know, I think we often ask ourselves at this time on the back end of Easter, now what? Go and change lives because God changed your life. Because you were once, you know, I love the, the guy who was blind and the Pharisees hunt him down. Can you imagine being blind now? See, they find him and he's jumping and dancing in the streets. And the Pharisees are sort of interrogating him. You know, what did Jesus say? Did he do it on the Sabbath? You know, he was like, hey guys, whoa, listen, listen, listen. I was once blind, but now I see. I love that. He just told his story. Listen, guys, you can't mess with this. This is, this is my true testimony. This is what actually happened to me. I had nothing going my way. God saved me and now I've changed my life. Maybe if it was, I was once angry, but now I have the peace of God in my heart. I was once full of depression, but now God has helped me get through it. He's journeyed with me. I don't know what it looks like for you, but God has changed your life. But by the grace of God, He's changed me. I was once blind, but now I see. They asked C.S. Lewis once, they said, C.S. Lewis, can you give us a diagnosis of the world and what's happening in the world? And he said, you know what? The diagnosis has already been given. The world's dark. But the better question is, where's the salt and light? Where's the salt and light? Where are us that bring the salt and light? And I want a friend, we are that. We are the salt and light. You are salt in your environment. Do you know what salt does? It preserves, it brings flavor. It brings sustenance. You are light. We light up people's hearts. That's what God's called us to. We are, there's an invitation for a new way and a witness. To witness to the risen King. Amen? Amen? Hebrews chapter 12 said this, and I'll close with this. He said this. He said, in all that, He invites us into a far better life. How? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. And He says, the champion, perfecter, and finisher of our faith. To fix our eyes on Jesus, the champion, the perfecter and finisher of our faith. In order to experience a far better life on the back end of Easter is to keep our eyes on Him, the one who did what we could never do, who exchanged His life for ours, who gave us power. He's the one who initiates the better weight, sends the wind from elsewhere and allows us to walk in a new way. To close, I remember reading a story in the Second World War. It says the Germans were invading Europe and they'd come into uh, Denmark, uh, the country of Denmark. 
and one of Hitler's uh, generals had come in and taken over Denmark. Denmark were uh, under a monarchy. The king of Denmark ruled and reigned, but he had no army. He had no uh, uh, opposition to this threat that was coming. And so they basically overran the town, the, the country of Denmark. Their last stronghold was the city of Copenhagen where the king himself lived in his palace. And the king had this large pole with a Danish flag that, that flew. And he realized as long as the flag would fly, it would give hope to his country. What was the first thing the German general did? He sent a troop to take it down and replace it with a Nazi flag. With that, the king said, demanded an audience with the general and they met in his palace. And they stood looking at each other and he said to the general, general, why is it that you've taken down my flag? And he said, well, I'm gonna put mine up because now we've occupied it. So he said, well, I'm gonna send a soldier out there tomorrow to take the flag down. Well, he said, if you send one down, we'll shoot him, we'll kill him. And with that, the king paused for a moment, looked back at him. And he said, what if that soldier was me? A day later, the Nazi flag came down and the Danish flag went up. And I thought to myself, if one king would be prepared to die for his country, how much more our Savior in heaven would die for you and I? How much more the author and perfecter and finisher of our faith, how much more the champion that went before us, let our hearts be rested in His provision for us. Come on church, why don't you stand with me and take a moment to pray as we close. thy hands held high. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning, Lord. We thank you for the gift and the promise of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that while you're waiting, you speak to us and you reassure us and you renew our strength, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to walk with you and journey with you. I thank you that our eyes are turned towards you, for you're the one who pours His grace over us. You're the one who brings the wind from the outside and turns our lives around. You're the one who provides so much more for us. You provide a fully furnished room and prepared for us in a season. Thank you, Lord, that in the presence of our enemies, you have something prepared for us, God. I pray today, Lord, where hearts are empty, that you'd fill them yet again, God. Fill them again with your power, your provision, and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the author, perfecter, the initiator of our faith, that you are the champion. You're the one who went before us, and there's no one like you. We worship you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the message today. If you are feeling encouraged, inspired, and moved by this message, I want to encourage you to head on over to our YouTube channel at Link Church for more amazing content. Have a great day.